Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel, according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, in our day and age, it is taught to us that when we are offended, Yes, when you and I are offended by someone else, well, this vile person then owes it to make us feel good, to make things right. We're told that they need to grovel or apologize or do some sort of penance, something in our mind, to make up for their offense, to make things all right again. Now, if we have bought into this advice of the world, this advice of the world, Often we won't even tell the other person about their offense, but we will sure hint at it with passive-aggressive tactics. We all do this. We'll give them the silent treatment, or we will reply with a snide, snort remark. Is everything okay? Yes, everything's fine. Why do you ask? On the other hand, if we're not rolling our eyes, or sighing, or huffing and puffing, on the other hand, we can do the opposite, and that is to avoid them altogether just enough to make them feel rejected by us, but not enough to make it blatantly obvious to everyone else. We want them to feel backlash for their offense, and then for them to crawl back to us with tears and dread to do penance, to make things up, begging us to forgive them. With all of this stated, though, 
If they do not pick up on our silent treatment, here's the kicker. If they do not pick up on our silent treatment, our passive-aggressive tactics, or our avoidance, and if they do not make things right, according to the way that we want them to make things right in our mind, well, then here's the point. We convince ourselves, we convince ourselves that we are somehow justified to hold on to a long-standing grudge against them. We take the grudge and we put it into our pocket to keep it safe. You see, my friends, our world says that someone, someone has to bleed. Someone has to die. Somebody has to shed blood when we are offended. There has to be some sort of punishment for the offense against us to make everything right. And if there is no punishment and no groveling or no apology, no penance, then it is taught to us that it is within our right to hold a grudge as long as we deem it necessary that we have every right to take that grudge and put it into our pocket to keep it safe, pulling it out when we want, whenever we want. In fact, when we are offended, there's a part of us, let's just be honest, that does not want to let go of the sin. We all have a part of us, which is the old Adam, obviously, a part of us that wants someone else's blood for the wrongdoing against us. We want to see that shed blood. For example, when we are sinned against, when we are sinned against, we get our paper and our pen out and we keep a record of all the wrong that has been done against us. We write down the offense in our minds. We then examine the offense in our minds from every single angle. We stew over the offense, letting it raise our blood pressure. Small offenses are made into massive injustices in our minds. Well, the person then is conjured up what they owe us in debt, some undefined payment only that we know and nobody else. But everything else becomes unraveled, though, when the person who has sinned against us asks for forgiveness. Indeed, forgiveness becomes a big problem. Yes, when the person who offends us realizes their sin, when they have done wrong, and they come to us and apologize, and then right there at that place, we are left in a very difficult place. Yes, you see, what happens at this point is that we're left with the need to forgive. Yes, to forgive. To let go. You see, my friends, as we heard a couple of weeks ago, the word forgiveness, as we heard a couple of weeks ago in our gospel reading, the word forgiveness is a word that means to let go, to release. Forgiveness itself is to release, to let go. It does not mean and imply that there's no offense, and it's not saying that the sin never happened, but rather forgiveness acknowledges the sin, but then says this, I release you from your debt. I let go of my desire to see you bleed for your offense. You are free. Perhaps we could say it simply this way. Forgiveness is a release of vengeance. It's a release, a letting go of our desire to get even with others. As it has already been previously alluded to, forgiveness is difficult, no doubt about it. It is indeed very difficult for each and every one of us, especially if we have spent years upon years holding on to the other person's offense, especially when we've taken that grudge, we've put it in our pocket, we've taken it out, and we've petted it and taken care of it and cherished it. It's tough to then let go of that grudge. Let's be honest again. We all have gone down this path of unforgiveness before, and we know our neighbors who have done the same thing as well. 
For example, we know those stories of those farmers, ah, those farmers who won't drink coffee at a particular restaurant and won't belong to a particular elevator co-op because of a land dispute that perhaps happened 25 years ago. We know those stories of parishioners who will refuse to set their feet in the church because of a pastor who offended them from years ago. We know those stories where a person will go to the other side of the street to avoid a fellow neighbor who offended them. We know those stories where family members have avoided each other for tragically years, not coming together for Thanksgiving and Christmas meals or reunions because of a past conflict. These are just a few of the examples where this lack of forgiveness is played out. Now you and I, we tragically have our own stories just like these, but with different plots, with different circumstances, but the same lack of forgiveness. Tragically, a spirit of unforgiveness is toxic. Not only is it toxic to someone seeking forgiveness, but it is also toxic to the person withholding forgiveness. Taking that grudge, putting it in the pocket, leads to toxicity. It destroys. It hurts. You see, when we hold on to injustices and refuse to forgive, we are doing so because we want the other person to suffer and pay for their offense against us. Now, keep in mind, two things are happening here that must be understood. First, when we have propped ourselves up so high, indeed, when we prop ourselves up high, so high, we can make ourselves into a God where we say this, well, how dare that person cross me? Who do they think they are offending me? Secondly, whether we realize it or not, our unforgiving attitude is actually seeking out the destruction of our neighbor as the only way to remedy their offense. Bluntly stated, we want our neighbor to suffer and bleed for their offense against us. And only after they have suffered and bled enough do we even consider forgiving them. Now, dear friends, we must keep in mind that in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of the world, someone has to bleed. Someone has to die when you and I offend and when we are sinned against. The world, it teaches you not to let go, to not forgive me. The world teaches you to keep a record of wrong and to seek vengeance. The world tells you that vengeance is in your control. The world tells you not to be merciful, but to be hard-hearted and unforgiving to a fellow man. But what the world does not tell you is that this kind of thinking and this attitude, it winds you up in hell. It does. In our reading from the Gospel of Matthew, get this, we read about a servant who was forgiven, hear this clearly, was forgiven of 7.5, not million, but billion dollars of debt. 7.5 billion dollars of debt in today's money. However, this same servant dared to put the screws to another person for owing him 20,000 bucks. Now to be clear, Jesus calls this servant wicked. Yes, he is wicked, for he has just been forgiven $7.5 billion of debt, and then he goes out with an unmerciful heart, with an attitude, with a chip on his shoulder, and he demands $20,000 from his neighbor when he should have shown mercy on his fellow servant and forgiven him his debt. And so the point is this, 
when we refuse to forgive others who have wronged us, when our knuckles are white, ah, when our knuckles are white from clinging to injustices and when our time and energy are spent trying to figure out how to get even and how to make someone bleed, well, we are truly the wicked ones. We are truly the wicked ones. We are wicked and stubborn because we have failed to realize that someone else has already bled for the offense that was committed against us. Yes, we have failed to recognize that someone has already bled for the sin committed against us and for our unforgiving hearts. Baptized saints of St. Paul's, drop your vengeance. Release your neighbors from your unforgiving heart. Christ Jesus has bled for your sin and my sin as well. He has bled for the sin that has been committed against you and me. He has bled for every single one of your sins. Blood has already been shed. It's been shed for you. Furthermore, Christ Jesus has not treated us the way that we deserve. He has not punished us for our sins. He has not unleashed vengeance on the sins that we have committed that we so much deserve. He owed us nothing, yet he gave us everything. Because the Lord gave up his right and his claim over you and me, he desires that we too should do likewise to our neighbor. If the Lord has forgiven you $7.5 billion, why should you not give your neighbor $20,000? Since you have been forgiven of every sin of thought, word, and deed, from the time of your birth until your last dying breath, and since you have been forgiven of your sinful condition that has tainted your heart, why should you not give forgiveness to your neighbor? Indeed, Baptized saints, Jesus Christ gives himself to you, becomes your gracious Lord, is kind to you, and serves you with his good gifts when he has absolutely no reason to do so and every reason not to. Uh, but he cannot help himself. He cannot withhold his kindness from you. For the Bible says he's rich in mercy, abounding in love for you. Baptized saints, the truth of the matter is this. No more blood. No more blood needs to be shed for sin that we commit or that is committed against us. No more blood needs to be shed for Jesus' blood on the cross is sufficient for the sins of the entire world and for all the little sins committed against us. And so not only is today's gospel reading that we have read this morning about forgiveness, but it is also, get this, it's about freedom. It's about your freedom. It's about knowing that Jesus Christ has forgiven you of an overwhelming debt of sin. He has forgiven you of all of your sins, which frees you from the trap of bitter unforgiveness. It frees you from the poisonous spirit that clings to unforgiveness as well. You're baptized saints. Yes, you baptized saints. You are freed to forgive every wrong in the name of Jesus, whether the wrongdoer repents and makes acknowledgement to you or not. You are freed not to hold anything against your neighbor except for the desire for them to settle their sin with God so that they too may find forgiveness, life, salvation, and freedom in Christ like you. Christ Jesus has bled for you. Forgiveness is yours and for your neighbor. No more shed blood is necessary. Indeed, no more shed blood is necessary. No more shed blood is needed in Christ for he has bled for you and for your neighbor equally for your sin. 
so that you and your neighbor may be forgiven and free together. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.